You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. You can download the Spotify Green Room app and find one of our Locked On Rooms. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. We will be continuing player evaluations this week unless there is something that comes up content-wise and or breaking news-wise. Now, we have seen the Charlotte Hornets work out a couple of first round picks during this entire pre-draft process. It's been a lot of second round picks, a lot of undrafted free agent type of guys as well, just to see who could be there later in the draft. But a couple of names are interesting, including one of the more recent first round picks they worked out like a Kai Jones. So we might be able to get to him as well and just update you on some of the other player prospect evaluations that they've been taking part in at the Spectrum Center. We'll get to Miles Bridges this week. He's next on the list. We've just had some other things pop up to where we'll talk about that instead. And that's actually happening here in the first <laughs> segment. So appreciate you joining us. Yes, we're going to do it right now. Um, John Hollinger, Nada, you brought to my attention as well. We've been looking at it a little bit. He brought up the top 10 and even beyond really just all of the top point guards that are going to be available either through restricted and or unrestricted free agency. And he has Devonte Graham as the fifth most valuable point guard that's going to be available in free that's agency not the this surprise, season. Though. He ran that's through not his algorithm. He right. So he ran through his algorithm at what possible contract Devonte could be getting his way, and the number that he came up with is nineteen point oh seven million dollars is what he could possibly be making. So basically, nineteen million dollars annually is what this whatever he threw in there, that's the contract that he came up with. And this is what he wrote. This is the reading portion of the podcast. John Hollinger wrote, people don't think about Devonte Graham much. And he got a bit lost last, uh, last year at times with the productivity of LaMelo ball and Terry Rozier's backcourt in Charlotte. Nonetheless, he's a good guard who can shoot and pass. And at 26 years old, the team signing him is likely buying the sweet spot of his career. This number still feels a bit on the high side, but only a bit. Like you wouldn't be shocked at all if he got three years, 55 million, that would come out to about 18.3 annually. The issue is that he's a restricted free agent and the Hornets are in a very strong financial position to match offer sheets. The perception that Charlotte will match is likely to dry up his offer sheet market. On the other hand, it could provoke a team to offer something completely bananas in hopes of scaring the Hornets away, such as the game with restricted free agency where the rules tend to bifurcate. Uh, the market into an offer sheet overpays and team uh, and excuse me, overpays and team friendly underpays him. So $18 million. He said you wouldn't be surprised at. He goes with $19 million. What do you think about this write up? If Nada? the Hornets pay Devonte Graham anywhere close to 17, 18, $19 million a year. I love Devonte. That is a massive overpay for a point guard that you're not sure is going to fit in with what you're trying to do long term. That I, I'm not going to lie. The minute I saw this, I got sticker shock. Like, I really got sticker shock because I understand that Devontae Graham is worth a lot. I have questions because the first question I have is, 
what's the team out there that's going to pay him? And that's, like, I think that's my biggest issue is, like, who is the team that's going to pay him? Because for right now, I don't see that team. Uh, the Knicks may make a little bit of sense. I don't think the Mavericks make sense. San Antonio, kind of, I get it. But after that, you got a whole bunch of teams that are going to have to shed salary to do it. So I do wonder, where's the team that's going to offer him all this money? Because if you're the Hornets, you are much more likely to underpay him or tell him, yo, go shop your own deal and then we'll probably match. But $18 million for that dude, I love him, is a little bit too much. Yeah, I, I was surprised to see that it, it came up close to $20 million. Just to put it in reference as far as what the Hornets are getting paid, Terry Rozier is getting paid around that much. You're looking at him making the $18 million, and his was a one-year, uh, a $1 million annual decrease every single season of his contract. Obviously, Gordon Hayward is making 30 but I believe, uh, I'm trying to pull up the Hornets' payroll, but I believe that would make Devontae Graham the third highest paid Charlotte Hornet on the roster, maybe even the second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it's Gordon going 30. It's Terry Rogier right there at about 18. So Devante would become the second highest paid player on the roster at that point. Is Devante a guy that should be the highest paid player making to the tune of 20 million, 19, 18 million a year? Not to me. I think Devante, I honestly would have come up with something like $15 million, 16 million a year, something like that. And that would have been 45 million total. And I thought that was something that, you know what? I feel like that's fair and even a little more on the high side, despite me truly valuing what Devontae does. But I just wonder how this affects Malik Monk. I also wonder LaMelo Ball's presence, how much it would affect if it got that high. I mean, the Hornets aren't just going to match every single offer thrown his way on the uh, offer sheet, right? Uh, are we like... I, I do think there's a number. I, I personally, my number would be three for fifty-one. Like I can see them doing seventeen and change. Eighteen is a bit much. Nineteen, like you got to be crazy to to match that number. I just wonder who's the team. Like the Lakers can't do it. They're over the cap, and they're the team that would most likely do something along the lines of that. Who's the team? Like Philly can't do it in a year. Where I could see them, like where I see a lot of a lot of teams being able to open up the cap and have a little bit more space, I can see them doing that. But who's the team? Because a lot of this does not make sense to me. Like this feels like you know what it is. This is like back in the day when the NWO would be be, be around and you would wonder who that next man is, who that mystery man is, who's who's going to be the next. Like there's a lot of mystery around this that doesn't make sense to me. But is Devontae Graham on an open market with a few more teams prob work worth $19 million? Probably. But it's not this this offseason. So I don't get how, like, where he's getting this, this money from. And if the Hornets sign him to something like that, it's bad asset management. It's to me, it's just as bad if you pay Devontae Graham $18, $19, 20000000 million as it is if you pay Terry Rozier... 30 31 32 going into next season that's how bad it is yeah i i'm fascinated in how um, it, because you don't want to extend terry rogier to a if he plays like this 
I mean, I don't want anything to the tune of getting up close to $25 million a year for Terry. If they bring back Devontae, I can't imagine they do that with Terry. I think he'll probably have a direct impact on what they decide to do with Terry as well. And I guess the lesser of two evils is by far choosing Devontae Graham at $18 million. At least in my opinion, it's by far worth that way more than what you would give up for an older Terry Rozier. Still, it, it just seems that Malik and LaMelo coming in at a lower price just because LaMelo is a, a rookie, right? He's just on a rookie deal. Allocating that money to other spaces on the floor seems like it's smarter to me, but it'll be interesting to see if it really does at least flirt with the idea that John Hollinger is throwing out there at about $19 million a year. He's got him fifth, by the way, behind the likes of a Chris Paul, a Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley, and Lonzo Ball. Those are all the other guards that John Hollinger has in front. Then it's Devonte five, Spencer Dinwiddie six, and then I feel like there's a drop off. It's T.J. McConnell. He's throwing out there could make twelve million dollars a year. Then you're starting to go further down. So Devonte probably is that bridge, right? As far as you know, you probably are talking about that bridge. And Dinwiddie might have even been higher than Devonte Graham had he not gotten injured for the uh, for the year this past season. We'll see how it all plays out. Let's take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about maybe Devonte, the contract situation, and we'll look for other things as well. It's the Lockdown Hornets podcast. First, I want to talk to you. About about Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors, not just the limited time ones they release that are always fire, but they've got the staples like mint brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. They're good for you. They're high in protein, high in fiber, but low in calories and low in sugar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 off at BuiltBar.com. It's Locked on Hornets. We'll come back with you in just a moment. This is Locked on Hornets. And I was cutting a rug in that place, not a Funkmaster Flex. Shout out so to him. You, again, Walker, how old are you again? Uh, I am 28 years old. <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. Second half is underway. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. So that was the Devontae contract conversation after John Hollinger wrote a piece within the uh, Athletic. The other thing is, I, I did want to mention this real quickly before we get to Miles bridges and some evaluation on him the last couple of segments he did say the restricted free agency thing I wonder if it either dries up what the market would be for Devonte as they just assume Charlotte is going to match any of those offer sheets or if it does the other thing what that Hollinger mentions in that does it take just some outlandish proposal where Charlotte just isn't going to match it? And then that's the way that he does eventually leave Charlotte. What is that? What is the realistic outlandish proposal? Does it get to 22, 23? And then you're like, all right, no, I mean, and and by the way, you know, the Hornets have cap space to work with, but I mean, this is assuming that, you know, they are letting Malik Monk walk that you talk about, you know, the qualifying offer, right? Not getting matched or whatever, and just allowing him to move on in restricted free agency. And that's something I, I guess is 
pretty, pretty possible. And then you're discussing, you know, not bringing back a Cody Zeller who knows with a Bismack Biombo, it, maybe they bring them back on like a vet men or something like that. But that's assuming yeah, all of like, that. Just keep thing. that in like, mind. It's not necessarily just the fact that Devonte Graham would be getting $18 million. It's also the fact that Devonte Graham, you still have to get a center out of all this. You still have to improve where you at are at where you're at at center, and that's and then eighteen million dollars with a Devonte Graham basically tells you that you're going to be either using Vernon Carey or Nick Richards as capable centers in your rotation next year. Like that's not a choice anymore. That's something you have to do because unfortunately the center position is going to be quite expensive. For example, last I checked. Because again, the big thing about this is that you have a uh, you have Rashawn Holmes who was looking to get something in the uh, actually. Let me go look up this algorithm right quick. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Did you know who's below Rashawn uh, Devonte Graham in the overall money in terms of the overall for Rashawn Holmes? Who's that? At eighteen point two million right. a year. That I can see Rashawn Holmes getting. It's not the 20 we expected, but 18, 18.2? Like, I'm not necessarily so certain I don't do that. So if you retain Devontae Graham and you retain and you bring in Rashawn Holmes, that's 36 million a year on money. At that point, your base, this is this, and this is the thing that scares me, is that this would be 2016 all over again. You're keeping one of your own guys. You're open, possibly, potentially overvaluing one of your own guys, and you are effectively locked into this contract because then the next decision you're going to have to make is: Are you trading PJ or Miles? Because you can't keep both. Yeah, and um, I, I just—it's going to be interesting to see what the market is going to be like with this restricted free agency. You know, if if they are afraid that the Hornets are going to match it, or if you are just going to have to make some kind of outlandish deal. I think that probably you know, goes and, and outlandish in the terms of me not wanting the Hornets to pay it. If it gets north of 20, then I think we're there. All right, let's go through a player evaluation. We haven't gotten to Miles Bridges as of yet. We talked about him a decent amount when we came up with the Michelob Ultra Player of the Year nominees, the guy that got you excited on on your feet. Um, and it was him, LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier. So production along with among the most exciting players that played for the Charlotte Hornets this season. So you look at Miles Bridges stats and he really did have a career year, not only just what he was able to do with the counting stat or the efficiency, I should say, but just seeming to understand the game a lot more. He averaged 12.7 points per game, which was actually slightly down from his 13 overall last year, but he shot Mm -hmm. 50% from the field. He shot 42.4% from the field last year. He shot 40% from three on 4.4 attempts per game. Last year, he shot 33% from three on 4.6 attempts per game. You look at his free throw uh, percentage. It's actually at 86.7%. Last year, it was still good at 80.9 and roughly the same attempts per game, 1.7 compared to two. He averaged six six rebounds per contest. He averaged 2.2 assists per contest. And then um, those are really the counting stats worth going over for him. But not a, we both love the way that Miles Bridges took that step up this year as a real player where it was 
a bad sophomore season for him, and this year he looks like a real possible pillar point, of the organization. Miles is like we keep saying Devontae Graham is a example, shining example of the player development program, but Miles Bridges is more of an example of why you bring in veterans like Gordon Hayward. Because that way Miles has someone to bounce off of bounce ideas off of he's a better three now than he was before the gordon hayward got there and it felt like the like this was the first season where miles bridges felt comfortable in any sort of role in the organization because before it was we weren't sure what position he's going to play then they weren't sure for most of the second year of his second year in the league and then this was the first year where it felt like, okay, we're going to scale all this back because we really don't know. And then let Miles figure it out. And Miles figured it out and took it to another level. To the point where for good large swaths of the season, he was, especially late, he was the best player on the floor for the Hornets. So when we have these discussions about what Miles was this year, like if, you've, if you had to feel confident about if you had to slot him on in terms of the most important Hornets in this on the season, would you put him? I don't know, fourth or fifth? Because I, I like I can't put him first because I think you can make a good case that it was Gordon Hayward. After that, I would probably give you Terry Rozier and then Lamelo, but fourth, like slotting him fourth or fifth, I feel kind of confident putting him there this year. What about you? Yeah, that I think that's I think that's probably right, Nada. I mean, and look, you can like some of these other players maybe more so than Miles, but I mean, the guys that played huge roles for them, whether you agreed with Borrego's substitution patterns or not, the guys that played huge roles were LaMelo, it was Devontae, Miles, Gordon when he was healthy, PJ Washington, and Devonte Graham certainly when he was healthy like I don't know if I said his name already but you get the picture of the guys that provided the bigger yeah. impact and Devonte was Devonte was impactful over the last two years to where he deserves a second uh, two mentions in a row so don't, <laughs> don't um, but I mean I think Miles Bridges was a guy that they really leaned on in the last certainly month of the season as they continued to battle injuries even when Miles Bridges was slotted in the role of just coming off of the bench and providing some offense and just being solid enough to hit open threes, hit threes at a high enough clip. And he certainly did that attack, understand where he's supposed to be on defense way better than he did just last year. He was just rock solid all year long until they asked more of him and he delivered once he was asked more of. I Yeah, you can't say enough about the way that Miles um, really provided an impact for the Charlotte Hornets in his third season. And I can't wait to see what happens in his fourth year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a guy that we're all very pleased with here from what we've seen um, so far. And I think you have to feel a lot better about his future too. Yeah, absolutely. Like I do believe that you have to feel really, really good about his future. And unfortunately we can't talk about the future without talking about a potential extension this year, which I don't think he takes because unfortunately he is, how would I put this? Um, He is a clutch sports client Clutch Sports clients generally do not take extensions. They re- they maximize the CBA to to its fullest. So there's a good question. There's a good chance that any kind of contract extension gets rebuffed, and then we're going to be talking about does Miles resign here at the end of next season? Like there's a lot of this 
that is very, very up in the air with with Miles Bridges. So we'll see. I don't, I, yeah, I don't the contract. I mean, the the Hornets' decisions financially are are going to be fascinating as we move on here in the future of this team. We'll take a quick break. Maybe talk about the NBA Finals. Give you the road to the Finals coverage that's coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. February is Black History Month, and the Lockdown Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Lockdown Presence. More than God Almighty, <laughs> keep this. Pres- you're, you're not deleting this at all. This is going to end up being a, a, a bit. I promise you, it's gonna no. no. It's gonna be a bump. It's gonna be a bump. Let it. Let it. Just let it be. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Today on the road to the finals, our finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. The Milwaukee Bucks, nada, they take care of game five in Phoenix. The road team wins for the first time in the series. And now they've got a 3-2 lead, possibly on their way to win an NBA championship. How detrimental is this to Phoenix? Do you think there still is a good shot or maybe even just a shot that they can come back and win the final? in seven games i'm not gonna say it's over but i do not like phoenix's chances like i think this was a game and i think we had this conversation last week walker i Mm. felt like if milwaukee won their one game in phoenix this ends in six i really do feel confident about that the one it's just can milwaukee end it here because if they do not end it here i I do not like their chances for another. I, I don't. I do not like the chances for Milwaukee to steal two games in Phoenix. One was hard enough, and you got your best game from Drew Holiday. You got your one of the best games that you possibly could from Chris Middleton. And Giannis sealing the deal despite getting thrown into the first, again, despite CP3 trying to throw him into the first row of the, uh, of the seats. Like, hmm. all of that combined, I just... I, I feel good about it, but I would really, I think it really behooves Milwaukee to end this now because if not, I don't think you won a game seven in Phoenix, period. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And it's been so weird, too. I mean, I, I've had a hard time after the first couple of games putting my fingers on what's going to happen because Drew Holiday had been very bad offensively, but his defense had picked up as the series had gone on after somewhat of a, of a bad debut. Chris Middleton has been somewhat of a roller coaster offensively when it's come to hitting shots. Giannis has been fantastic. He'll be the finals MVP. Um, but with Phoenix, they relied on the 23 point shots that they made. And if you look at this last game, their efficiency was crazy high Mm -hmm. shooting from distance. They just didn't take enough. And Devin Booker goes for 40, but I saw Tom, uh, Tom Haberstrow. He tweeted out that Devin Booker hasn't had a fourth quarter assist yet in this NBA finals. And I feel like most of NBA Twitter is accepting more of the Devin Booker not facilitating and we all destroyed Richard Jefferson for his Giannis take at how his 40 points doesn't necessarily uh, help Milwaukee but Phoenix is losing. He's not moving the ball and we're like well it is kind of hearing uh, is kind of hurting more of what the Phoenix Suns want to do. And I just feel like that's interesting. Giannis gets 40. Somebody says maybe it's not best for Milwaukee. They get destroyed. Now it's kind of widely more accepted with Devin Booker. And it's just because of the way that Phoenix has been able to win for most of the season. Unlike, I guess, what you've seen from Milwaukee. And the other thing is, 
I didn't think this was going to be such a big thing, but Dario Saric losing, losing, the Suns losing him and having Aiton take all those minutes is really starting to catch up because now Dario Saric, Dario Saric isn't there to absorb some of those Giannis minutes. And we know they're not going to Frank Kaminsky. We know that much. <laughs> but at the same time, like all of this combined, I just wonder at what point does this begin to catch up? Like, when is when are we going to get another great DeAndre Ayton game? Because if they get one, I feel like the series goes back to Phoenix. If they get two, the Phoenix Suns are going to be the NBA champions. So if you can get two good ones and maybe a fourth quarter where Devin Booker does more distributing, like he did in the first two games, ironically. Like, he, he was great in the first three quarters of distributing the ball, like Haberstroh says. But in that fourth quarter, he doesn't do it. He's not very – like, I, and that's the thing. It goes against everything they were doing up until that point because the ball distribution was what made them so, so good, the death from a thousand paper cuts. And for right now, they need that or else this is going to be – a like, they're going to go home if they don't distribute the ball better. And that's before we even talk about CP3 – Maybe not turning the ball over as much late. And I think that's mm. another problem. All right. We'll see how that goes as well. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Always appreciate your support along with Spotify Green Room. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA or really any show on the Lockdown NBA podcast network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. <laughs>